0: Good morning. As Carlos said, my name's Tim. If I haven't met you before, uh, get to serve on a great uh, team of pastors here. Right now, we we as a church family, we're in the season uh, called Advent. It's a season leading up to Christmas. We we prepare our hearts. We wait again to uh, to celebrate the arrival of the Son of God. Uh, as we celebrate Christmas. So during the season of Advent, we're doing a uh, series of teachings called It's a Meaningful Life. And we're kind of over, we're going to, we started, Carlos started last week. It'll go until January 3rd. Really, we're doing an outline sketch of what this thing uh, called Christianity is on about. And, and, uh, and by doing that, um, hopefully giving a, a vision for why Christianity provides such a depth of meaning uh, to our lives here and now. Last week, Carla talked. The first talk was about uh, the idea that uh, this world, uh, men and women, are created by a good God. Um, and this place was made for good. This this place we live in, it's not a problem to be escaped. This this world is not an accident. You are not an accident. This is a, this is a good world made by a good God. Today, the second... Uh, idea we're going to be talking about is uh, that something has gone wrong. There is a problem in this world and that there's a shadow that hangs over it and it originates uh, within human hearts. Uh, the, third, uh, the third point uh, next week will be that the, the, this good God who created this place doesn't leave uh, this shadow in the world but actually steps in to rescue and redeem uh, the fourth point in a couple weeks will be our response to this rescue, uh, that we don't have to live lives of kind of uh, neurotic, trying to fit, fix everything ourselves and trying to be good enough, but actually our lives, as we, as we allow ourselves to be rescued, become one big thank you letter to the one who rescues us. The fifth point is going to be that uh, this, this, uh, this Christian life is not uh, it's not merely an individualistic one, but we, we walk it, we live this thank you letter life in community, And then the sixth and final uh, teaching will be uh, on the end of history. Where is everything headed and how does that uh, give meaning to our lives here and now? So that's kind of the outline sketch of what we're doing. This week, week two, uh, we're going to talk about today what has gone wrong. The problem, the shadow that hangs over the world. Yes, like Carlos said last week, this world was made for good. It is a good and beautiful place. Men and women are, that were created for good, and, and we are not an accident, and yet we recognize that something has gone wrong. There's a shadow that hangs over this world, and so I want to talk about that today. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you'd like to follow along, to Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Matthew, uh, it's the first book in the New Testament. It's pretty far to the right in your Bible. It's going to be after Malachi and before Mark. And it's this ancient biography of Jesus. And we're going to be looking, Matthew starts it off uh, with actually listing through the ancestors of Jesus. And we're going to look at that this morning and see um, what it might speak to us today. So if you want to follow along, I'll start in Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, I always thought, that's Ram, I mean, that's a man, Ram, think about it, Ram, Ram apparently did not like his short name, and he was the father of Aminadab, (laughs) Aminadab, the father of Nishan, Nishan, the father of Salmon, Salmon, let's go Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, a king, all right. Why didn't they give him like a long, fancy name, a, Nimid, a minadab, minadab, king, no, King David. Think about that. You Davids in the room, you probably miss being in a minadab by this much. Your childhood would have been much more difficult if that would have been the case. <laughs> Lucky. Um, so this is the first, the first part of Jesus' uh, ancestors here. Couple things, couple observations. One, uh, I'm just imagining the author, right? You know, right in the, You know, uh, the author probably Matthew's reached. He's researched and prayed and thought, and he's, he's written this all. Out and I can't you just imagine uh, that, that he, he's got this, uh, and he hands it to a friend, maybe, and it'd be a scroll. So. That, and he's like, hey, will you look at this? Okay, because it's a scroll, and, uh, and and his friends reading it, and Matthew's like, what do you think? What you like? It? How do you think? Goes, well, um, you started with a list of unpronounceable names. I'm not sure about that choice. I mean, if you're if you're writing a, you're writing a book, you won't be able to read. You don't. I mean, is, uh, is he trying to weed out the weak readers right away, or what's kind of uh, the? Wh- wh- I think it's important to remember that, um, that a genealogy, a list of ancestors, is the most concise way to tell history. It's the most concise way to remind people of the past, remind people of what has come before, remind people of the long story that, that Jesus' birth is part of. And apparently, for Matthew, it's very important to understand that G- this Jesus figure that we're headed towards is going to be born, has being born into an old, old story. And when we read it, when we look over it, one of the things that we notice is that this, this story has a, has a shadow hanging over it. That there's this the shadow hanging over uh, the ancestors of Jesus. See, when, when when we read when we read this story, we notice that it's a very Jewish story. That these are these are Jewish names. It's rooted in the in the the uh, the, the Jewish people and their scriptures, referencing Abraham and David and uh, Jacob and Isaac. But um, with that, the people that Jesus was being born into was joining. Um, they they had a particular way of seeing the world. And one of the ways that they saw the world is what Carla talked about last week, that this world was created by a good God and men and women are made to bear God's image and this world is not an accident. But also, the way they saw the world was that that something had gone wrong and there's a shadow Hanging over this world now. Actually, the shadow, this dark side originating in the hearts of men and women. And we see this. This is how the people Jesus was born into saw the world. This is the story that Jesus was stepping into. And we see it reflected in the ancestors of Jesus. There's a shadow side to his ancestry. Abraham, the first character that we see there. Abraham uh, lied about being married to his wife Sarah. And she was nearly married off to another man because of it. Abraham's grandson, Jacob, was known to be a liar. And Jacob actually stole his brother's birthright. Jacob's son, Judah, it mentions Judah. And then did you notice it says, um, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. It mentions Tamar. See, Judah, Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law, who he slept with thinking she was a prostitute. Genesis 38. Yeah, go check it out. Don't read it with kids around. Uh, There's this this dark side hanging over the genealogy, the ancestry of Jesus. Let's continue uh, through this, uh, the ancestry of Jesus. Picking up again in verse 6. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, if you're thinking about having a kid in the near future, Jehoshaphat, put that in your back pocket, Jehoshaphat the father of Jehoram, Jehoram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, who was in the news this week, Do you see that? Yeah, Hezekiah, the, the Bula. Yeah, that's cool. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amon. Amon, the father of Josiah. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. Again, we see the shadow hanging over it. David, it mentions um, him with Uriah's wife. He, he, he slept with Uriah's wife while she was still married to Uriah and then, and then arranged for Uriah's murder. His son Solomon had hundreds of wives and was pretty much an international arms dealer. Solomon's son Rehoboam was single-handedly responsible for causing a civil war in the nation of Israel that the nation never recovered from. And it goes on from there. There's a shadow hanging over it. And it's in both the individual stories, but also there's this societal sense that at the end of it, you notice it talks about the exile. Exile, the way that the Jewish people understood the way the scriptures talk about exile, was that this, this shadow side, that the entire society, the entire nation embraced their shadow side to such an extent that God had to say, I need to remove you from your homeland. The shadow hangs over the ancestors of Jesus Picking up again in verse 12. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud. Abihud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim the father of Elihud. Elihud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Matan. Matan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary. Was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were fourteen generations in all, from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the exile to Babylon, and fourteen from the exile to the Messiah. Matthew Matthew starts off his, this ancient biography of Jesus, uh, and, he, and he's making it very clear that Jesus does not arrive out of the blue. That Jesus doesn't just come onto a blank slate. That Jesus is stepping into an old, old story. In fact, if anything, he's, he's, not, st- he's not starting something new, but he's the climax, the culmination of something that's been going on for a long, long time. That yes, this world is made for good. This world is a good world. It's not an accident. God has made men and women for his good purposes, and yet there's a shadow that hangs over this world. There's even a shadow within the people of God. And this is the old, old story that Jesus is stepping into. A shadowed world. When I was a fourth grader, I went to Aladdin Elementary School in the countryside outside of Mason, Michigan. Aladdin uh, being out in the, the, the f- cornfields, there's a lot of land for the elementary school and, and cornfields surrounding on all sides. And, uh, and uh, big grassy fields out around the school to play at, at recess. And we'd often go out to the far the soccer field and play. We'd play soccer, we'd play football, we'd just play tag, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so I'm in fourth grade, And we, it's recess, and I'm out there uh, running around doing whatever I'm doing, and my friends are playing soccer, and uh, and there's a fifth grader there, and this fifth grader, I can't remember his name, uh, but this fifth grader, um, not from a stable family, rough home life, not a lot of friends, um, and uh, just kind of kind of kid that gets in trouble a lot at school, and uh, so. My friends are playing soccer, and this this fifth grader grabs the ball and won't let them play anymore. So he's 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 got the ball and he's running around. So I notice what's happening, and I I sneak up behind him, and I pop the ball out of his hands. I help my friends out, right? Yeah, good move. So my friend the friends grab the ball, and uh, and this makes this fifth grader very angry, and so he he starts coming after me, and um and my friends grab him i can still remember this one of my buddy brian fuller grabs him and they get his arms pinned back behind him like this and i'm kind of backpedaling and he's still coming but his arms are behind me and there's this moment where he is he's come, he's very close to me and it, but he's helpless his arms are right behind him and i'm not too far away and i and i look at him and i get a smile on my face and i just laugh at it just to spite him just I, I'm the one with the friends I'm the one with the friends help me out I'm the one who took the and, and I just laugh at him and uh, he gets his harm free <laughs> how do you know it's going to happen <laughs> and he punches me as hard as I had ever been punched in my life and I am instantly just bleeding everywhere, just blood on the grass. Hold my face, blood. He runs away, and I, ah, just bleeding. And my friends like walk me up to the recess attendant or whatever. And um, you know, I you know, we go to the office, and he you know, he ends up getting in trouble. And uh, yeah, we all have a shadow side. We all have a shadow side. This fifth grader uh, from a rough home and not a lot of friends, he had a shadow side of um, wanting to steal from other people to get attention. When he gets angry, lashing out in violence. But there's also me uh, from a stable home and doing all school and friends at school. And uh, when... This other kid is powerless, and I know it will just get to him. I just laugh in his face. We all have a shadow side. And, and it's not just about kind of good behavior or bad behavior, because sometimes, uh, because sometimes the most put-together people with, who act rightly, uh, we just um, have more sophisticated and subtle ways of living out our shadow side. We all have a shadow side. And it's, it's an individual issue. It's inside of us. It's inside of me. It's inside of him. It's also, it's also in a way outside of us. We get hurt by other people's shadow side. He physically punched me. I emotionally tried to hurt him. It's, a, it's an individual thing, but it also gets caught up in, in, in groups and systems. He, his response in that moment had been shaped by his family. My response in that moment had been shaped by my family, my background. We all have a shadow side. And that, that moment, that interaction of us, of us trying to hurt one another, that moment, that, that, that shadow side, it, that gets played out in a million ways. In a billion families and friendships and schools and workplaces and nation states every single day in our world. We all have a shadow side. Whether you're here, a, uh, a, you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, or not, this morning. I believe we all have to face the question, answer, answer the question, what is wrong with this world? What is wrong? There seems to be something wrong. What is it? Where does it come from? Different people have answered that question in different ways over history. Some people, some people have said, really, there's nothing wrong. Really, there's nothing wrong. This is what we should expect. The good and evil, actually good and evil are just illusions. They're just byproducts of our, you know, kind of, you know, uh, um, evolutionary byproducts, kind of groupthink, and they're, they're, they're just, they're not real. They're social constructs. What's good and evil in one culture is different than in another culture. They're, there's nothing kind of real about them. This is as good as it gets. This is all we should expect. Some people have said that way. Other people have, have given very ugly answers to the question of what is wrong in this world. In history, different people have answered that question. People have given ugly answers like that gender is wrong, or that race is wrong, or that nation is wrong. Today, I think in, uh, in Western culture, we, we see very kind of social scientific answers to that question what is wrong in the world? what is wrong with the world some people say edu- there's not enough education if we just had more education then everything would work right some people say technology if we just had a, a few more a, enough technology then everything would be right. Or there's too much technology. If we just got back to nature, we just got back to our, our nomadic tribal roots, then everything would be right. Or free markets. If we just had more free markets, then everything would be right. Or there's too many free markets. If we just restricted this, these, these transnational corporations, then everything would be right. I think today, oftentimes, we look to economics or politics or psychology to, to answer the question, what is wrong with this world? And while certainly some of those things address the symptoms of what's wrong, I do not believe any of them address the root issue of what is wrong with the world. Because you can be a kid from a good family, doing well in school, with lots of friends, And when the kid with no friends is powerless you will still laugh in his face. What is wrong with this world? The beginning of the 20th century the London Times put that question in their paper and this uh, Catholic Christian thinker G.K. Chesterton uh, wrote a response. What is wrong with this world? And G.K. Chesterton wrote Dear Sirs, I am Sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. Throughout history, Christians have identified this idea that we all have this shadow side. The the Russian Orthodox uh, Christian thinker Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he wrote these words. He said, the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. What is wrong with this world? I believe Christians have a profound answer to that question that is we all have a shadow side and theologically the word that christians have used is sin we have this sin problem that resides in the heart of every man and woman that is the root that is the root that is the impact point from which like like a rock hitting a windshield all the other symptoms spider web out from there and we're not going to go there this morning, but if you want this week, you look at Genesis 3, the, the, origin, the, the origin point of this problem, when men and women, in, in, in something that happened once in history, but also happens over and over again, that, that men and women made the decision to say, God, we, we think we can do it without you. I, we don't want to walk in trust of your goodness. We don't want to follow you as our king. We don't want to walk in closeness. We want to do things our own way. And men and women chose to, to, to turn their back on God. And there's a spiritual fracture which related to us not even knowing, not, not even knowing how to, to live rightly in our hearts. It ended up uh, fracturing relationships between people, between men and women, in friendships and in families, and even fractured the very relationship with this non-human creation, this world that we live in. But the root of it, the root of it, Is the shadow side that is introduced when we turn our backs on the good God who created us? here's, Here's the thing to say that, to say that we all have a shadow side, it's actually good news. To say that is good news. Because the alternative, think of the alternative. The alternative to say, "Uh, no, nothing's really wrong. This is as good as it gets. This is how life is meant to be. This is how the world is meant to be. This is how our hearts are meant to be. That's the alternative. Yes, death its just meant to be in the world. We can't expect anything more. That is bad news. But to say we have a shadow side. And it wasn't always that way. And it won't always be that way. This is not how things are meant to be. That is good, good news. The the shadow side of my own heart. That is not how my heart is meant to be. That's good news. The shadow side in our families and our friendships. When we see families imploding, that is not how the world is meant to be. That is good news. The way whole societies and cultures uh, attack and devour one another. That is not how things are meant to be. That is not how God desired it to be in the beginning. And that is not how it's going to be in the end. That is good news. And even death itself is not how it's meant to be. To say that is good news. This world, the world, the good world with a shadow hanging over it, this is the world that Jesus was born into. Jesus wasn't born into a Hallmark card. He was born into the real world. This, this, this story that that genealogy of that, ancestors that real gritty world the good world with a dark shadow hanging over is the real world Jesus was born into and if we would have read farther just a few verses down of that same chapter 1 in Matthew we would come to the line in verse 21 when it said she that is Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus Yeshua In Hebrew. Because he will save his people from their sins. From their shadow side. Yeshua, Jesus' name, means God is salvation. God saves. It's appropriate. It's appropriate that we remember and celebrate the birth of Jesus in the darkest part of the year. It's appropriate that we do that. Because Jesus was born into a world with a dark shadow. But he came to rescue and save from that shadow side in every one of us. See, the good news of Christmas, it's not not mere sentimentality. The good news is that Yeshua has come. The one we've been longing for. The one we've been waiting for. That he is born into the real world we live in. The world, the world with this dark shadow side. And he's come to rescue. Would you pray with me? Father, Son, Spirit, we do. Um, we do uh, place ourselves before you now. We recognize that you are the one in whom life exists, and who you are the one who is fully good and fully loving and fully just. We recognize that you. We are made by you. We're created by you, and we we admit in your presence and in the presence of one another, that, that what is wrong in this world, that, that that seed resides. It resides in my heart. We admit that before you. And we admit that we, uh, we need help. And so um, this, uh, this Christmas season, this Advent season, uh, we again place ourselves in a posture of longing, of waiting, of expecting. We thank you that your son's name is Yeshua. God is salvation. And as as his ancestors expected and waited and longed for him, we place ourselves in that posture again. In the name of, of the shadow of our own hearts and the shadows that hurt us, the shadows that work in this world, we longingly expect this Yeshua to continue to be at work by his spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In his name, amen.